witty, thought-provoking, and uplifting Southern Soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences. Tune in each Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic hosts who are as charming as they are talented. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's our host, Calvin. Awesome tonight, people. We have an awesome show for you. We have none other than Miss Dr. Brandy Bowling. She is a triple board certified child and adolescent psychiatrist, adult psychiatrist, and pediatrician. She is an attention deficit hyperactivity disorder ADHD expert. And I am excited to have her here tonight. But before we hear from Brandy, I want to give you guys a backdrop. As you can imagine, the topic of ADHD is a funny one. Some would even say tricky. There's been all kinds of research and studies, and some say go left, some say go right. And tonight, we want to talk about the black kids. And in this context, I just want to read you guys a summary. Some research suggests that white teachers, on average, tend to label black students as lazy more often than their white peers. In turn, black kids are labeled more hyperactive, more defiant, and ultimately more likely to have ADHD. This issue becomes further complicated by research suggesting that black boys on average are less active than white boys. So, is ADHD a myth? What's really going on? Tonight, I have Dr. Brandy Bowling here, and she's going to help us break it down. She's going to be sharing with us her perspective of what's going on. Dr. Brandy, welcome here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the warm, warm introduction and also for the icebreaker. That was super fun. Awesome. Well, you know, thank you for being here tonight, but let's just jump on in there, right? Let's, let's Tell us about you. Tell us about your origin story, your educational background, and how you got started and what you do. Awesome. Well, as our lovely host has said, I am Dr. Brandy B. I'm triple boarded um, in pediatrics, adult psychiatry, as well as child and adolescent psychiatry. And through my Facebook live stream uh, at Dr. Brandy B., which is called Focus On It Friday. I have worried moms, dads, the community at large, anybody that I can get to listen to me anywhere, I help them understand um, not only what ADHD is, but that there is hope and that their children can shine and be successful in the classroom and in life. Educational background, raised in Birmingham, um, attended Birmingham Public Schools, went off to Vanderbilt, obtained a BS in neuroscience, then I went to Meharry from a medical college. After that, I decided I wanted to mix it up a little bit and um, just didn't want to do pediatrics with the encouragement of my mentor. Then I went to Indiana University in Indianapolis, where I completed the triple board program. After that, I returned home and now I work in a myriad um, of a vast variety of settings, including community mental health. Uh, inpatient geriatric site. I supervise those practitioners. I'm in private practice. I mean, if it's there to be done, I'm doing it because I really do believe that children, uh, they are the future, like Ms. Houston said. And so we have to do all we can to make sure that we give them a chance. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Brandy. Let, let's just jump into ADHD. You know, for people, you know, who are new to the topic or people who may just be new parents, do you mind telling us, you know, what is ADHD? And tell us what is an ADHD diagnosis? Yes, yes, yes. So also a question. So a lot of people say, is it real? Is it made up? Are these kids just bad? We don't use the B word. But let me tell you a little bit about what ADHD is. So ADHD is a neurodevelopmental or a neurobehavioral, both of them disorder. Neuro being of the brain and the nervous system. Uh, developmental, meaning that we see these things as children develop. Um, behavioral, because if you've ever been around a child who has ADHD, you notice that their behaviors are different. Um, you know, when people talk about what causes it, 
Um, in medicine, we say something is multifactorial, which means that it comes from a lot of different things. And sometimes that means we're not really sure. Um, but we know that things that mom may do when she is pregnant can lead to a child having symptoms of ADHD. We know that if a child is exposed to toxins on their own, for example, a very common one being lead, um, which everything, lead has been removed from everything now, um, gas and paint especially, um, but that is something that we know can cause it. We know that there is a strong genetic or familial component. And so if you were to look at a child with ADHD and look up at the parents, about 41% of dads and 31% of moms are going to have ADHD. Um, and then you can have frontal lobe uh, injury and have symptoms that will be treated with ADHD in residency. When I was working at the VA, I had a man who had been in combat who had frontal lobe injury. And when he returned from combat, he had uh, symptoms consistent with ADHD. Now, at, you want me to go ahead and tell people what it is? Sure. All right. So as far as who can diagnose it and what it is, um, it is certainly something that you would want a professional to diagnose. I tell people all the time, your first line um, for diagnosis is going to be your child's pediatrician. Or if you're an adult who has it, it's actually going to be um, whoever your primary care provider is. Um, my wait list is very long right now, as is the wait list of every single psychiatrist in this country. If their wait list is not long, they probably just left training or um, I'm not really sure what else is going on, but everybody's wait list is long. Um, so nurse practitioners, um, anybody in the mental health field or a medical pro professional is going to be able to help you with that diagnosis. Now, when we talk about what is ADHD, uh, a lot of people will say, well, is it ADD or ADHD? And so the first thing I want to remind you or let you know, if you didn't know, is that ADD as a diagnosis has left our diagnostic manual and no longer exists as a diagnosis. Instead, what we have are three types of ADHD. And let me just go back. The acronym is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, okay? Um, and so there are three types. There is a predominantly inattentive presentation where children and adults have trouble focusing, as it implies. There is then a hyperactive or impulsive presentation. And again, very simple, you're hyperactive and you're impulsive. And then the third type is called a combined type or combined presentation. And this is where children or adults will have symptoms that are inclusive of both inattentive symptoms as well as hyperactive and impulsive. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, um, Dr. Brandy for introducing that. And I'm glad that I'm seeing in the chat people are putting questions. Please continue to do that. We're going to watch those questions. And when we get to the Q&A segment, we're going to pull some of them out. So continue to do that. Um, we're not going to stop for the questions now, but we are watching. So let's talk about this, because if it's a myth, if it's hot or cold, why is it important to recognize the signs of ADHD in children, Dr. Brandy? It is absolutely important to recognize the signs and then to get treatment. Um, and that's why I literally wake up every morning in my professional life. Now, I have my own family, right? But professionally, it's so rewarding to see families come together. Um, let me just give you a quick rundown of what these symptoms are, okay? So the inattentive symptoms include losing things, forgetting things, being easily distracted, procrastinating, rushing, making careless mistakes, not paying attention to details, um, and not responding when your name is called. So even as an adult, you can understand um, how critical it can be for you to be in a Fortune 500 company as a CEO or his assistant or her assistant um, and show up to the meeting and not have that one piece of paper that you were coming to the meeting to talk about. Um, and so that is really important. The other thing is that when it comes down to the hyperactive impulsive symptoms, these can be being talkative, being loud, blurty, interrupting, um, not staying seated, fidgeting, um, not completing one task before going to a, another or acting as if driven by a motor. So again, socially, you can understand that that one friend is always talking too much and you're like, uh, you're trying to figure out how to jump in like, you, you know, you double ditching or something. Um, and so the same is at the workplace. So when we talk about why it's important to recognize these symptoms um, and not just recognize, but be open to someone suggesting that those symptoms are there because we may not recognize them, right? 
Um, but then it's important to understand what's the point of it all. Most people think of academics, okay? So that's the one thing. You don't want your child to fail. Um, and I talk about on my show all the time, those odd number grades are the very critical grades because my educator friends tell me that those are the grades that new information is introduced. And also those are the grades that standardized tests happen. So you want from an academic standpoint, your child to be ready. Uh, emotionally, it's not a part of the criteria, but there is a lot of emotional symptoms, irritability that come with ADHD. So you want to recognize that so your kid doesn't get labeled as just being angry, okay? Having anger management problems. Um, legally, okay, um, a lot of substance abuse can happen with ADHD. So you could potentially keep your child or yourself or your spouse from um, finding themselves on the other side of the law. Socially, I hinted at that. Um, with just having trouble maintaining friendships. Uh, young children are very impulsive, so before they know it, they may just reach out and slap somebody in the back of the head. And now we've got a label of bully, when in fact it was just impulsivity that went unchecked. Um, family interactions. Actually, the way that I even got interested in uh, ADHD was because um, a family came in and the dad didn't believe the child had it. The mom did. She was like, you got to help me. He works all the time. I'm here with this child. The child had rearranged my office. So I knew something was going on unless that baby was, you know, an interior decorator. Um, and so the tension was so thick in that room, you could cut it with a knife. I mean, daddy was huffing and puffing. Um, and so you can't get a date. Um, with your spouse because nobody will keep the child potentially um, and, and your marriage or your relationships with your friends, with your spouse, with your significant other are falling apart um, because of, again, ADHD. And then just in life, again, as I say all the time, I want the kids to be successful in the classroom and in life. Um, and when you're not able to focus and bring things together, cleaning up, cleaning up your bedroom, getting ready in the morning, every single thing we do requires us to focus and so if you're not able to do that, you may be successful, but not reach your full potential. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, it was very helpful for me for you to cover the different types, right? How they present. And that's very helpful for me to understand because the way it's mentioned ADHD, it seems like it's one thing, but the way you've described it, it presents itself differently. And we're going to get back to that. But before we do, let's talk about disparities. What are your thoughts on about racial disparities when it comes to the diagnosis of ADHD? Right. In short, it seems like black kids are more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD. What are your thoughts on that? Um, so that's a very loaded question and one that I'm gonna try to break down. All right. So most of what I do clinically every day is work in rural Alabama with a very large percentage of um, patients who have Medicaid, so, and they're white, okay? So that's my background. So whenever, you know, I hear that, um, I always think in the back of my mind, everybody has it, right? And so when you look at the studies that really talk about percentages of children that get it, really across the board, there's not a huge significance in it. I will tell you though what does happen a lot and it is based in bias, okay? Um, clinical bias because physicians, therapists, nurse practitioners, nurses, everybody is a human. And so we bring our own biases into the exam room, right? Whatever we were raised to believe, unless we are made to believe or be aware of something else, then that is what we're gonna bring with us when it's time to make a diagnosis. And so what does happen is that it's actually kind of the opposite. Black children, especially Black boys, are much more likely to be diagnosed with a disruptive behavioral disorder instead of ADHD. Now, let me tell you what I'm talking about. So if a little Black boy is running around in the classroom, remember I mentioned bully, he's going to be labeled as bully. The white boy is going to be labeled as hyper. Same symptom, different person. Some of that has to do with what we see on the news, right? It's rampant here in Birmingham and I'm sure in everyone else's city. So we bring that into the exam room with us. We think that black people are, um, don't, are disobedient, they're defiant. 
And so we're able to give them a diagnosis that fits with that. Now, when I talk about disruptive behavior disorders, I'm talking about specifically oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder. Now, oppositional defiant disorder is seen with ADHD in about a third of the cases. These are children who are going to be argumentative, oppositional, which means they do the opposite of what you tell them, defiant, which means they're hard-headed, don't do as they're told. They're easily annoyed. They annoy others. They blame others for their mistakes. They're vindictive, and then they tantrum. And if you ask parents why, classically, it is because they don't get their way. ODD, by and large, is a parenting issue. Not that you're bad parents, but just that you aren't parenting the child that you were given. I'm really huge on my show about making sure that you're parenting the child that you're given because it can lead to um, you expecting that when you say sit down, your child will. The oppositional defiant child, that child didn't read the book that you read. So when you say sit down, that child looks at you or keeps walking. Okay, so you got to know how to switch up your parenting a little bit to adjust to that. Now, when we talk about conduct disorder, conduct disorder uh, applies to a child who has everything I just named, but in addition, they are violating um, the laws of the land and the laws of other human beings. So sexual abuse, physical abuse, bullying, starting fights. Um, I typically think of the children who are ODD as just button pushers. People who have conduct disorder are going to jail, all right, eventually, if we don't get it in check. And so Black children, African-American children, tend to get those diagnoses more than they get ADHD. Um, and so really, um, it used to be that ADHD was lumped in with the other behavior, disruptive behavior disorders, but now we know to really separate those two because they're different, right? Their treatments are different. Even their outlook is different. I'm guilty. I am really hesitant to give someone a conduct disorder diagnosis because I know what it feels like to me when I am getting a new patient and I read it. So I try to make sure that I have absolutely ruled everything else out, including treating ADHD before I give that diagnosis and so what the data is really showing is that when you take aside everything else, the socioeconomic status, um, the foster homes, the disruptive life and family upbringing, when you take all those things out and look at it, a black child is more likely to be labeled with ODD or conduct disorder and a white child is more likely to be labeled as having ADHD. OMG. You know, I'm going to have to go and listen to this again. So anybody who's listening, we're going to listen to this again in two weeks when it comes out because she is dropping so much detail. But I'm going to summarize with a few things. ADHD, ODD, and conduct disorder. It appears, Dr. Brandy, that ADHD could be more acceptable of a diagnosis than ODD or conduct disorder. You got so it. It seems that if your child gets ODD or conduct disorder, then there definitely is some concern for a bias there or concern for other things there. But in that actually helps explain when I hear some of the things where ADHD can be used as an opportunity for certain parents, an opportunity to get certain things for their children, additional funding for the schools and things like that. I mean, you hear so much because you don't really know, you know what to believe. But what you've said definitely kind of throws a bit of color into the difference of these diagnoses. But thank you for talking about the boys. Let's talk about the girls. Are there any differences between how black boys and black girls receive help? Because it's very important, independent of what's going on. If the child needs help, we got to get the child help, right? Do you see any difference in how black boys or girls receive help? So let me just say this about the diagnosis of ADHD. And I'm going to keep saying I talk about this on my show because I want you to go watch my show. Mm -hmm. um, but girls in general, regardless of race, are not diagnosed as early as boys are. Boys tend to be hyperactive and aggressive, as I've said before, and it's, it's overt. 
you know it. They're running around, they're hitting people, they're breaking bones, all of that. Girls, though, tend to sit their cute little selves in that chair and they get their work done and they don't cause any problems, but they are chatty Cathy's. So when mom goes to the school, the teacher's going to say, oh, I just love her. She's no problem. But you know, she just talks all the time. And everybody knows she talks all the time. Okay. So when that's just girls and boys in general. So there is quite a bit of delay in diagnosis, sometimes even into high school before girls are picked up. Actually, more about seventh grade. And they're usually coming in with anxiety, but that's deep. Okay. Boys and girls that are Black, um, there is probably a, a discrepancy there, right? Because Black parents, when you're talking about their Black son, they understand you're just trying to give my son a label. And so they, or he's just a typical boy, right? And so they are reluctant to engage in any type of therapy or any type of acknowledgement of the fact that there is a problem. Girls' parents, if it's really brought to their attention, they usually get on it. But like I said, girls are missed until seventh and 11th grade is what I see most often. And so by that time, they're moody and rawr. And parents are bringing them in to me to help with their mood. Thank you, thank you. You know, I, I, get, I can't help but think with all of this backdrop, all of the things that's going on. You have the physician, you have the parents, you have the caseworker. It just seems like a lot. It seems like, you know, the kids can, you know, fall through the cracks. People cannot get the proper support. What do you feel are some of the biggest challenges or barriers for these, you know, young boys and girls to receive the help they need? Do you feel like it's, you know, community driven? Do you feel like it's school driven? What do you find that are some of the biggest challenges of, let's say there's a kid, there's definitely a problem, a need. And what are some of the biggest challenges to getting that child support and the help they need? So it's all of the things that you mentioned. Um, again, so Birmingham is largely African-American with an African-American mayor, the, the, the council mostly. Um, and so, you know, what research says and what I see are very different, right? Especially since I work out in the rural white parts of Alabama. Um, but it starts at school. Um, the black kids, research proven, do not get the recommendation from the school to get the help that they need. The other thing related to school is that black people in general are absolutely offended by special education. So we don't want to again acknowledge, and some of this stems out of this long history of medical um, misrepresentation, right? Okay. Um, and so it's we just become, we learn or become to distrust white people in authority. And then sometimes that spills over to anybody in authority, okay? Um, and so that is a huge thing, the school piece. Um, and then just access to care. If you are eligible for your state's Medicaid or equivalent, then you know your child has coverage. But a lot of people will say, I only wanna see a child and adolescent psychiatrist who looks like me. Well, if they're talking about looking like me, I'm 2% of 2%. So if that's what's limiting you, then that's gonna be another barrier. Um, act, just having access period to knowledgeable pediatricians. And I say that with as much love as I can conjure up because I am a board certified pediatrician. So I am one of them. And I understand that in 15 minutes, they gotta give shots, look at the nose, look at the ear, check along. And, you know, a mama got a new baby. She, they have to check on her. And, oh, by the way, this child has this. And their training may not have really suited them to treat, diagnose, and manage ADHD. So those are certainly some of the issues. Starting with the home, though, right? Just being in tune with your kids and watching them. Sometimes we are so busy trying to make a living that we forget to look at the ones who live with us. And so 
when the teacher brings something to our attention, we are completely thrown off. Um, and just being open and being accepting to what the teacher is saying. And by the way, teachers are our friends, right? They run their own little mini studies every year. So if your child is doing something that's way out of line with what their 20 years of experience in that same grade has, has taught them, generally speaking, there is something going on and you probably should look into it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um... I'm interested in this part of it, the diagnosis, right? It, it has been said that a diagnosis can affect a child's social, emotional, educational well-being. And I think what it's referring to is that not when things go right, but when things go wrong, when the stigmas come in, when the judgments, when the bias. I like how you describe special education in you know, how the black community can be adverse to special education. What are your thoughts and experience on a correct or incorrect diagnosis of ADHD and how that can affect the child's social, emotional, and educational well-being? So, yeah, so I, I hinted on that at the beginning um, and gave all those details. It, it can absolutely impact social, academic, educational um, and even health, right? Medically, we end up with injuries, kids on top of the roof that forgot they didn't know how to fly with that little cape you bought them out the local mart. Um, you know, that's a medical situation. Socially, these kids are isolated um, at school. They aren't invited to the birthday party. Some schools have moved to it. If you invite one, you invite everybody, but parents know how to work around that, right? Um, and so it's a huge deal. I will say though, that not to get ahead, but the goal of treating ADHD is to make it so that that child doesn't look any different from anyone else. But it's hard to get people to understand that the treatment really normalizes them. I saw a question just passed by, is it a learning disorder? Not necessarily, but it can be if you don't treat it. And certainly learning disorders are comorbid or occur with it. Um, but the danger in all of this is not treating it. Academically, the statistics are astounding. 33% of children who have ADHD will drop out of high school. That has nothing to do with their ability. It has everything to do um, with their ability to get the material organize it and give it back to the teacher in the way that she needs it to be given back or he needs it. Um, another astounding fact, five to 10%, that's the number of children, young adults with ADHD who will complete college. So you send Johnny off and Sarah off and Karen off and they're back. Not because they party too much or maybe they did, but maybe they didn't party just because they liked to party like it was 1999. Maybe the focus didn't come, and so partying was the path of least resistance. So now they're back with you. I mean, that's an academic situation. That's a work situation because those same three little kids go into a job, and they can't maintain a job because they walked off. They're at the Mercedes plant here. They're putting on door handles, but they decided, oops, I want a Coke. They went to the break room. They saw some friends. They started talking went to the bathroom, came back. 10 cars have gone by without a door handle on their side. No big deal, except that's the fifth time they've done that in two weeks. Mercedes got to let them go. And that was a good job without a college education. Um, and so this is why it's so important to recognize it and also to do something about it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to open up for some questions in the chat because the chat is so active. And one last thing, though, before we go to, and Katie and Tamika, if you can be ready to grab a few questions out of the chat. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, alternatives to pills for treating ADHD? Are there any, you know, um, progress that has been made with different approaches, such as natural treatments, natural remedies, or things like play therapy um, instead of pills? 
So therapy is good for 100% of humans on the planet Earth. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, whatever type of therapy your child is doing, go for it if it's effective. Um, behavior modification. Perfect. Get your planner. Get your reminder app. Get your clock. Um, get your post-it notes. Get your calendar. Get all of that. But if you can't keep up with it, then do you any good to have a list and you walking into the mart and you left it at home? Okay. Or you can't find your keys and so now you're, you're late, right? Um, dietary stuff, go for it. Take the sugar out of the diet. It has been consistently founded that sugar has nothing to do with ADHD. And you know this because some of you on this call have completely removed sugar from your child's diet and they are still just as hyperactive as they were before. But it makes for good control of their weight and no dental cavity. So strong work, keep that. Um, there are several other things. Um, fish oil is one of the popular ones. And when you look closely at the research, fish oil does work. It does. And people who have a deficiency in the active ingredient. So if you don't have that deficiency, not gonna be effective. What has been consistently shown to be effective is medication. But I respect every parent's right to parent their babies because I have three of my own. So what I do, what I'm doing with you now is exactly what I do in the office. I present education and then I present options. And then I sit back and say, mom, what would you like to do? Or dad, what would you like to do? Or in this day, grandma, what would you like to do? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Let's um, go to the chat. Well, you know what? Let's do this because I want to chat with Marianne. Um, let's put Marianne um, on and then we're going to go to the chat because I want to get Marianne to kind of speak. And I, I invited a guest to us tonight and Marianne uh, is a family advocator. She, she works on ADHD um, through a different perspective through the community. So I'm going to chat with Marianne for a second, and then what we're going to do is get a chance to chat. We're going to do Q&A, so keep the questions coming, and what we're going to do is, you know, have Marianne and Dr. Brandy, you know, just kind of field your questions based on what you have. Marianne, hello. How are you doing? Hi, I'm wonderful. Thank you. Better now that I heard Dr. Brandy B. I'm going to be watching your show. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to be watching your show. Awesome. And Tamika has put in the chat the Facebook link. So Dr. Brandy B goes, um, what is Brandy? Every Friday? at Every Friday at noon central. Every Friday at noon central. So Tamika is dropping it in the chat. So if you guys want to follow Dr. Brandy B and get real time follow up with her, as she says, you know, she has a book and that's going to be in the chat also. But the way you stay in touch with her consistently is through her Facebook and her Facebook Live. Marianne, do you mind just telling us what you do and your perspective of this topic of ADHD? Sure. I'm a special education advocate, so I represent families at IEP meetings uh, at the school district IEP or 504 meeting. So if your, your child is identified as, as having a disability and they just need reasonable accommodations or they need specialized instruction, much like a, an attorney would represent you in court, I represent you at the district meeting. And they can be very intimidating for parents because sometimes you have people with lots of doctors, right? You have occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech language pathologists, teachers, district administrators, and they can get very big and very um, nerve wracking for parents. And you're already overwhelmed emotionally, right? So I'm somebody who went through it myself. I have three exceptional children. So I have a gifted child. I have a middle one that has ADHD. And then my youngest is what we call twice exceptional. So he has disabilities and is gifted. Um, so I lived it. It was very hard. I was a couple thousand miles. I grew up in Long Island, New York. So I was a couple thousand miles away from my family when I was uh, young and having young children. And I was uh, very overwhelmed. I felt very alone. I didn't know what to do, right? When you're getting married, you can call your mom, you can call your aunt, you can ask questions. But when you have a child with a disability, 
we don't have people to reach out to. So um, once I got my son situated, I started just helping other families that I met along the way. And it quickly kind of turned into a full-time job because there are so many families out there in, in need. And so I've done this probably close to a thousand meetings now. And every day I wake up and say, how can I help more people just being my one my one person, right? I'm divided lots of different ways. And so I did write a book, um, but I love what I do and um, helping families is the joy of my life. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. So let's go to the questions. And I got another surprise. I have another guest here tonight when we finish with the Q&A. Um, I'm going to introduce, um, this is March. And as you know, March is a great month. So we're going to be highlighting women entrepreneurs all throughout this month. So if you have some women entrepreneurs, excuse me, I can't talk, in the audience tonight, close to the end, we're going to do a good opportunity for you to do your pitch, you know, as we um, recognize more women during March. But let's get to the Q&A, Katie. Um, Tamika, what do you got? Sure. Um, I'd like to ask a couple questions, and these are related to age more than anything. So one question um, deals with sort of what is the age that parents should be looking at in terms of a potential onset of any ADHD diagnosis? So when should they really start looking at that? And then the other side of that is for young women, right? Dr. Brandy talked about young women. So as they're going through puberty, might some of those symptoms that there are some of those behaviors that they're showing also be attributable to what's happening with them in terms of their hormonal um, fluctuations, let's call them. So age of onset, and then when can things be sort of misdiagnosed? Um, unmute, Brandy. <clears throat> I just gave you a, a message to unmute. And Katie, those questions are from who? Um, the questions are from Taniki and April. Um, there are several people have asked similar questions. Okay. 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 So um, thank you for the question. That's a great question. And uh, I muted myself so I wouldn't, no one would hear me shouting, yay, yay, help for um, people getting uh, whatever they need through the school. Uh, okay. So age. So um, the average age of diagnosis in the country is seven. All right. Um, the average age of presentation, though, can be probably about kindergarten. Um, there are a few kids who will get put out of daycare as toddlers, like three and four. But when you get into that structured setting, kindergarten, that's when it's going to really be obvious. Um, I like to call ADHD the diagnosis of uh, changing faces, because while there are three different types, the presentation is different in each age. So initially, kindergarten one and two, hyperactivity is going to be the biggest thing that is going to be of concern. He won't stay in his seat. He hit somebody. He's hanging off the light, okay, in the ceiling, all right? Third, fourth, and fifth, especially third and fifth, remember I said those odd number grades and testing and all of that, that's when the inattention becomes a big problem. And so children will fail, right? Right about this time right now, I have a lot of third graders coming in. They're trying to save the year, okay? Seventh grade, there's a mad rush of adolescent girls. This gets into the next question, who are staying in their rooms and not talking to their families. And certainly they're depressed. Ninth grade, Nobody comes. I had a ninth grader today and it was shocking because nobody comes in ninth grade because they assume that as we enter high school, it's supposed to be hard and your grades will fall. In 11th grade, girls come in with anxiety. These are usually your high-performing girls who have made A's and B's the entire time, uh, but all of a sudden now are getting ready to leave high school, get ready for ACT. Um, can we um, grab a mute? It seems like we have some background noise. So, um, so they're very anxious about all those upcoming life-changing events. Again, they've been high-performing. They've done well academically. Over high school years, the, the grades have slowly declined, but now we are having full-blown panic attacks 
um, as we're getting ready to go to school, think about school, any of that. And so that's how it can change. Hopefully I answered both of those questions. Ninth grade, April Hicks, um, nobody comes to see me. No, no new presenting cases come in the ninth grade. Okay, yeah. So, so what I just spoke about is when do they commonly present to me? And so third, fifth, kindergarten, they're coming in for hyperactivity. Third and fifth, they're coming in for inattention and failing grades. And then seventh and ninth, the seventh and eleventh is really emotional stuff, either anxiety and or depression. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Brandon. That's actually very helpful to see that backdrop. Um, Katie, more questions. I know there's tons yeah. of questions in the chat, and um, if we have someone who definitely want to ask a question directly instead of typing, feel free to unmute yourself and uh, I'll raise your hand, and we'll find you. But go ahead, Katie. Other questions? Absolutely. We did have have several people that commented about ADHD being diagnosed with something else, like with anxiety or something. So how do you sort of um, treat? But how do you sort of disaggregate them almost and treat them separately? Um, do you do that, or do you treat both disorders at the same time? Absolutely. That's a fantastic question. Before I answer that, if I may, I just want to go back to something that caught my eye in the chat earlier. It was about um, differently able versus disability. Um, you know, we are trying to slowly change language in general to be inclusive, um, to be sensitive to people's needs. Um, but what Dr. Brandy B says is that ADHD, we can change it from disability to this ability, all right? So no matter what people are calling you, let's get in there and get to the meat of it, get the thing done, get the thing treated, get what the baby needs. That's what I always say. Get this baby what the baby needs. And let's, let's, let's stay focused, get it done. But absolutely, we try to correct the nomenclature as times change. Absolutely, absolutely. So thanks for pointing that out. Back to the question though, um, Shoot, I forgot. What was the it question? Was, it was co-diagnoses, right? Co-diagnoses, so, yes, yes. So that can be very confusing. And I, as an ADHD expert who wake up thinking, who can I go and help with ADHD today? I have to be very cognizant of the fact that I like ADHD, wrote a book about it, literally, okay? So I have to be aware of that. There are two different ways that anxiety and ADHD can present. There are some people who have anxiety, and ADHD or anxiety and depression or anxiety, depression and ADHD. And then there are others of those people who will have ADHD that causes anxiety or ADHD that causes depression. Let me tell you, this is how I know too. If I've got an adult or if I have an 11th grader, I'm going to ask, what did you get in in trouble for in third grade. And a girl is gonna always say, I was talking too much, okay? That's a hint for me that this is now long-term, right? Just that one question. Now, of course, one question does not make a diagnosis, but she's already given me everything else, or he's already given me everything else. I went back in history though, and gathered that this has been going on for a long time. If I ask them, what was the other thing they're gonna say, I can't focus, okay? So now I've established that this is likely ADHD. The way that I know if it's ADHD causing it, and if you think about it, if I can't focus and I know I'm super smart, but the last three tests that I took, I scored a 58, 59, and a 60. Now, all of a sudden, I'm beginning to doubt myself. My self-esteem goes down. I'm depressed. I'm no good. I'm not smart as I used to be. This work is too hard. I can't do it. I wanted to be a lawyer, but I don't think that I'm cut out for that, okay? If you're talking about the contrary, anxiety, 68, 69, 70, whatever. But I was a straight A student last year. Now, I don't know how to study. Oh my God, did I study enough? Did I study enough? Full-blown panic attacks, but only on the day of tests. Only on school days. I had a seventh grader, her mom brought her to me. She said, this child has anxiety. We want to treat her for that. She only threw up when they turned on the street to the school every day. She did not throw up on Saturday and Sunday. Even if they were going by the school, 
So history taking, if you're whoever is diagnosing you or your child does not have the time to get a history, that is very, very, very important, okay? We do not make diagnosis, I don't at least, based off of a scale. Scale exists and they ask you questions, circle one through whatever. But if they don't take the time to get the history, they will miss that. And those are the types of questions, Ms. KD, that help me to figure out if you have one and the other or one that's causing the other. Right. And so your other question was, how do I tackle it? If I'm really convinced that ADHD is causing the others, I treat the ADHD and watch the others disappear. Hmm. If I'm not sure, I'll do the same thing. If I'm sure, though, that you have both, I treat both. Right. Awesome. We have Alicia in the audience. She has her hand up. So let's get her off mute. I'm going to get you off mute, Alicia. What question do you have? And anyone else, um, feel free to raise your hand. I think you can do it by raising your hand or um, putting in the chat. I want to go next. We want to make sure we get some discussion here. And um, as we begin to um, phase out, we're going to first, we're going to highlight, you know, women entrepreneurs for Women History Month in March. And then we're just going to do open discussion. So hang tight. If you guys in the audience, I know we tend to have some vocal people, but if you want some time on the mic, you'll get that a little later. Just hang tight. But let's go um, with Alicia. Is she still there or did she disappear? Alicia? Nope, I'm here. Okay, go ahead, Alicia. Hi. Um, just, I have a fifth grader. Um, we live in San Diego, California, and we just completed her um, assessment very overwhelming, like you said, six people in the um, room going over all of this, and I'm still a little confused on where to go with this. Um, she struggles with um, difficult retaining information, struggling to focus, and distracted very easily and disorganized and everything. So I'm like, the school is offering the IEP. I definitely believe that's where I need to go. But at the same time, am I still missing the diagnosis? Who do I go to? Is it her pediatrician to diagnose is this definitely ADHD? Because like you just said, this is the odd number. Unfortunately, COVID hit middle of her third grade. We may have captured it. I felt we were probably on the lines of that because we've seen the struggles with the reading and math in third grade, but then COVID hit and she's been out of school that whole entire time. We can't include fourth grade as teaching online the whole entire time. And now I'm here fifth grade and I'm getting hit with this and she's going into middle school but I still feel like I'm missing something. I want to move forward with the IEP, but how do I get her to focus better if I don't have treatment or who diagnoses that component? That's where I'm at. Yeah, and Dr. Brandon, I want to jump in here just to kind of frame that. That's a great question because we, we didn't really cover the process, right? The process of, hey, something's happening in the classroom. Next step, there's a doctor, there's a conversation. Do you mind, Dr. B, walking us through a typical ideal process because I think this parent is definitely in that place where I've seen parents be in a gray area. But Dr. B, walk us through an ideal scenario of how a child would be diagnosed. Yeah. So it's going to be either a parent or a teacher most commonly because those are the people that our children are around mostly, us or their teacher. And so the teacher will bring it to your attention. Um, teachers, are they are not, they are not uh, qualified. Uh, and their principals are probably going to wear them out if they say the diagnosis, but they're going to give you the symptoms. Go back, remember the symptoms that I mentioned, um, the inattentive symptoms, the hyperactive symptoms, the inattentive, in inattentive symptoms, um, impulsive. That's what I left out. They're going to give you those symptoms. They're going to name them. They're going to hit hard. He does not stay in his seat. He's always talking during instruction time. That's the key. Okay. Um, from there, you know, mull over it, think about it. The next stop is your doctor. And I saw somebody put in the chat, your family practitioner can help. And I say, whoever your PCP is, if you see a nurse practitioner, whatever, that's your next stop. Because the weight to get in with somebody like me, my weight list right now is 50 plus, okay? Um, and everybody else is too. So your primary doctor for the child is the next stop. Hopefully he or she you know, can do something to give you, like I said, a screen. They're probably going to either give you a Vanderbilt or a Connors or something. They may say, let's get you in with a psychologist. I saw somebody mention neuropsych. Um, and so the difference between a psychologist and a neuropsychologist is um, the neuropsychologist is going to be looking more at um, things that I would say are a little bit more atypical. Um, ADHD is pretty common. And so any 
um, especially child psychologists, is going to be able to make that diagnosis. And it's probably quicker to get into them. And so you can get that diagnosis from them as well. Um, and then beyond that, of course, the psychologist cannot treat. OK, and the way that I use that uh, help you to remember is that a psychologist gets the gist of medications, but only a psychiatrist can treat with medications. OK, psychologist gets the gist, psychiatrist can treat. Um, and so if you get the diagnosis and then you go back to your pediatrician, your family practitioner, and they feel comfortable treating it, then you can go for that. Sometimes somebody like me who's extra nice and I want all these kids to be successful and shine, I will uh, give the pediatrician some recommendations until they can get in to see me. Um, when we're talking about an IEP though, if they have mentioned ADHD mom, they, they've done something to give the diagnosis. And so Ms. Marianne can probably speak to this a little bit better than I can. This is definitely her lane, but the IEP process starts with somebody bringing it to your attention, you signing some permission, okay, giving them permission to test, to look further into, to see what's going on. And then from that, that's how they establish the individualized education plan uh, based off what they have found in their study. So somewhere along the way, they did something. I mean, when you all are having the meeting, they're going to go over that something with you, and then they're going to tell you how they're going to help your student best be successful. Thank you, Dr. Randy B. And Marion, if you don't mind helping us fill the gap, because I'm yeah. glad you're here because you work with IEPs all the time. Tell us the yeah. ideal process and how you engage with teachers, educators, IEPs, because I'm coming to this scenario where it's like a parent is in a situation, they feel like something is missing. Marianne, can you fill in those gaps for us? Absolutely. So what's important to know is that there's uh, schools often act like there's one process, but there's not. There's actually two parallel processes in the beginning under the law, and that is called a direct parent referral or the standard teacher referral, which is what we, we typically see, right? Um, so if you feel like your child is not learning true or performing true to their capability, you can absolutely, I suggest everybody put it in writing. You will have to paper trail people, okay? Put it in writing. I am worried about my child's reading and writing. Uh, you know, they've been two grade levels behind for three years. You know, I would like a, a, a comprehensive evaluation for consideration of special education. Put it in writing, okay? That's the first thing. Otherwise, the teacher can do it. From there, a team meeting will occur. Sometimes they might say, well, we have to do response to intervention first. Um, some states like Georgia do require it for certain eligibility uh, categories. There's 14 categories under the law, um, but not all states do and it's not required for all, but it's a good thing, especially when we're talking about black children. Historically, black children were put in special education um, when they didn't really need it. And we have some fail safes for that, uh, but nothing is perfect, right? So, um, so response to intervention helps ensure that the child actually needs special education. You can bypass it, but it's, it's a good fail safe to make sure that the child needs it before they go there. Um, after that, they will do a, a school psychologist or a psychometrist, uh, depending on the state and who they employ, will do an evaluation. Now, these people, what, what is important to know in most states and districts, they are not like Dr. Brandy. They don't have PhDs. They maybe um, are not psychologists. They're school psychologists. So what that means is they have the minimum uh education required by the publisher to do the test. So sometimes that's teachers administering the evaluation um, and, and scoring it, but they have the master's degree or whatever the publishers say you have to have to do it. So it's a different level of, of knowledge, okay? From there, the team will meet again, and the team is those teachers, the school psychologists, the administrators, and the parent. You are part of this team Go in there with your head high. I don't care how many letters they have to have after their name. You are the expert on your child, period, point blank. Okay. You're going to go over the testing. They should explain it to you. If you have questions, 
ask them, keep asking until you understand, okay? And then from there, they will determine you, along with you if the child meets eligibility criteria. And that's saying not that your child has ADHD, but the symptoms are consistent to qualify under the category listed under state law and federal law. Okay, it's it's a it's a fine line. It, it, sometimes some people refer to it as an educational diagnosis, but it is not a medical diagnosis. Okay, so if you get a, an IEP for specific learning disability, it's not the same thing as going to a psychologist and getting a, a, a diagnosis for dyslexia, something like that. Okay, so um, from and if your child qualifies within thirty days from that date, they have to write a plan. And again, you are part of that, so you can say yeah, I think he needs to stay in general education for math because that's his strong suit, but he's really struggling for reading. So maybe we should do small group. Maybe we should add some social skills. Maybe we need speech language pathology in there. Um, and you develop a written plan and it's it's a roadmap to success where your child is now to where we need to get them to be. And that's age and grade level appropriate. And so from there really quickly, I just wanna say, I heard some key words from this mom and I, I want to, to tell her this. When you said um, that you feel like you are missing a piece, okay? Now, if that's just, we need treatment for ADHD, if you feel pretty certain that the ADHD is correct, then fine. But it, you should see things get much better once it's treated. Sometimes though, there's a lot of overlap in these symptoms and they do occur comorbid with one another, right? So it's not uncommon to have a kid with ADHD and dyslexia or ADHD and autism, all these things, right? So you, if you just identify one, it may not be the whole picture, but parents, and there's research that shows that mothers can identify autism in their children three years before medical professionals can. So if something in your gut says, this is not the whole picture, maybe it's part of it, but it's not the whole picture, I really do encourage you to go to a psychologist and get comprehensive testing of your own if you have insurance that covers that. If you do not have insurance that covers that, because again, somebody like Miss Brandy has a different level of education. They tend to be much more thorough. Um, sometimes the schools, it's kind of bare bones. But if you do not, there is a way to get a private evaluation at public expense. So that means that the school would pay for it. And if if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm on Facebook, Marianne Young, or Exceptional Advocacy Services, message me and I can tell you how to do that. I'm glad to help. Yeah, Marianne, if you would drop your uh, information in the chat so everyone can get it. So, Dr. Brandy, I know we're at the end of the time and you have been so gracious. I love your community activism and support. You make us proud. For the rest of the people here, feel free to hang loose. We're going to spotlight some women entrepreneurs for starting with Penny Miller for Women's History Month. But I want to give you guys a chance to say, you know, goodbye to Dr. Brandy. Dr. Brandy, feel free to hang loose if you want. But if you got the kids that are driving you crazy, they, 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 they hungry, whatever, go feed the babies. But I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for breaking it down for us. Thank you for helping us understand this complicated topic. And Marianne, you too as well, just giving us a different lens of what it looks like in the community. We're going to continue this dialogue. You know, the team has already told me, Calvin, get ready for a part two. So, you know, be ready for that as well. So um, anything you would like to say, Dr. Brandy, before you wrap up? Uh, yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, to your guests for being so gracious. Um, you know, I don't know if you all are familiar with uh, Erica Badu, but I tell people all the time, uh, I am like her and I am sensitive about what it is that I talk about because I am very uh, passionate about it. And most people say they can see and feel the passion. Um, and, you know, I'm just not out here talking about something that I don't do and really believe in, really, really, really believe in. Um, I, I, Shout out to my husband uh, who is with the kids. And I am actually going back to work because Thursday night I see patients till 10. I'll just say this and drop this nugget. I have 15 state licenses. So I'm probably coming to a state close to you real soon. Um, and so hopefully I can help fill this gap um, and, and just get these babies to be successful in the classroom and in life. I'm gonna continue this conversation tomorrow on Focus On It Friday. So if you all care to join me over there, uh, 
I don't know if I can get a uh, printout of the question, but um, I would love to. I'm going to continue the conversation over there. Yeah. So. What I'll do is I'll go through the chat and I'll send you the questions. So any question that come up. So anyone, if you miss your question tonight, catch Dr. Brandy tomorrow on Facebook. And that's at Dr. Brandy B, right? I got it right. Yeah. And she'll put it in the chat for you guys. But thank you. If you guys miss it today, you can catch it tomorrow. And if you uh, think you're going to miss your question, just send it to me now. And um, and that way I can address it tomorrow or send it back to you. But it'll be on record. But thank you all so much. Y'all were so awesome. Thank you so much. And good luck to you and your families. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for a discussion with the audience.